Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL, and out of the gate, some pretty big news here in Louisiana. The Associated Press reporting, and we've got it up on KPL965.com. John Bell Edwards will testify before a House committee in the Ronald Green probe of, of the the, de- the the probe of the death of Ronald Green in the hands of Louisiana State Police. Uh, this has been a story that we've been following. We've been talking about it a lot. Uh, you've heard it um, on several of the shows here on News Talk nine six five KPEL, and this is this is kind of where we knew it was going. There's just no way that John Bill Edwards is going to be able to safely get out of testifying on the subject. Again, the Associated Press reported earlier this year that there's actually a text message from the head of Louisiana State Police to John Bell Edwards saying uh, that uh, that an unidentified, uh, that not identified the text, a man in uh, a man died in police custody. That was the night of Ronald Green's death. Did not die as a result of the crash, but actually in custody. And that raised more questions. We'd already been asking a lot of questions about what did state police know? What did they try to cover up? And now we learn that John Bill Edwards knew about it, knew about it ahead of time. And more and more information has come out and is raising the questions. What did the governor know and when? What will he say during his testimony? His lawyers will be there with him for this hearing, which is scheduled on. uh, So uh, Clay Shexnotter, House Speaker, uh, asked the governor to appear before the committee on June 16th. Uh, Edwards' top lawyer, Matthew Block, wrote in a public letter to the committee that he, another lawyer, and the governor will appear to testify. So that will be on June 16th. Uh, we'll make sure that we cover that. That's actually the week I'm on vacation, but we know that we'll be covering it here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. So keeping an eye on that going forward, that is going to be uh, that's going to be a very interesting bit of testimony. I don't think... If he's going to have two lawyers there, Edwards is not going to really give anything new or earth-shattering, and there's going to be a whole lot more hiding than there is actually giving a public statement, simply because if he did know something, he's not going to come out and say it in front of this committee. But the way he deflects and how he can maneuver around it is going to make all the difference. And of course, there are political ramifications to it as well, and I've talked about that before, and we'll talk about that uh, some more going down the road. Uh, if you missed it yesterday, uh, Doug Ireland, chairman of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, joined us on the air to talk about uh, the upcoming uh, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony will be held in Natchitoches later this month. The, uh, the celebration starts on the 23rd in Natchitoches, and the actual induction ceremony will be Friday the 25th. But one of the inductees, and this is why we had uh, Doug on to talk about it, is the legendary UL coach, Coach Tony Robichaud. If you missed it, that clip is posted on our website, kpel965.com. Uh, just scroll down a little bit. You'll see it. The perfect time for Coach Robichaud's Hall of Fame induction. You'll find the clip from uh, yesterday's show on there, uh, my conversation with Doug Ireland of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. You can check out why it's the perfect time going on there. So kpel965.com, where uh, all the best news that you need for the day is going to be found. 232 1542, if you want to take part in the conversation. I want to ask a question, though. If you look at the national political scene, 
I've noticed something, and I'm not the only one who's noticed. But the Democrats have a new strategy. If a Democrat is running for re-election in the Senate or the House, they've picked up on a new election strategy. Their strategy seems to be based on this one simple question. What if we just don't talk about inflation? What if we just ignore inflation, pretend it's not there? Now, you and me, we, we can't go anywhere without hearing about inflation, hearing about skyrocketing prices, hearing about how much it costs at the gas station. One of the ones I passed by today, uh, four twenty-five a gallon right now. Every day, AAA is saying the U.S. has hit another uh, high national average. We've broken another record. Louisiana has been on the downside a little bit, sliding down a little bit, but it's still pretty high. It's much higher than it was a year ago. Way, way higher than where it was when Joe Biden took over. But everywhere you and I go, it's part of the conversation. Man, I can't believe how expensive such and such is now. Man, I just had to fill up my car. I paid $70, $80 to fill up the truck. You know, we hear this all the time in our daily conversations. It's what we are talking about. It's what voters across the country are talking about. Democratic candidates aren't. They're not talking about it at all. They don't want to mention it. Uh, Reuters is reporting that Democrat Catherine Cortez Masto is not mentioning the word inflation on her site. It's nowhere on her Twitter feed. She hasn't said anything publicly about inflation. It's nowhere on her website. She's facing a tough re-election battle for U.S. Senate in Nevada. In an election year, according to Reuters, in an election year when opinion polls show inflation is the top concern for voters, Cortez Masto is gambling that tiptoeing around the subject while playing up her role in delivering COVID relief to Nevadans will allow her to survive a brutal political environment. Analysts say her playbook, which also involves attacking her likely Republican opponent over his support for curbing abortion rights, is probably the best hope a Democratic candidate has of surviving at a time when U.S. President Joe Biden, a Democrat, has low approval ratings and inflation is at a 40-year high. Biden's approval rating right now is hovering somewhere between 35 and 36 percent, and that's on the economy alone. And the Democrats don't want to talk about it at all. They want to avoid the subject. 232-1542. We're going to continue on this when we come back from this break. In the meantime, be sure that you check out kpl965.com for all the top stories of the day. We'll be digging into some of those again later here on The Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in a little later in the show, be part of the conversation. Imagine pinning all of your re-election hopes on making sure your voters know that, hey, I know everything going on in the economy is terrible right now, but my opponent, he's against the right to an abortion. Imagine that being your defining hope. That's, that's, what, that's what Democrats are pushing for. Uh, Catherine Cortez Masto, a senator from Nevada, running for re-election, is 
making that basically her case. She, I, I voted to give you COVID relief, which, by the way, helped the inflation problem. And my opponent is against abortion rights. That's the campaign. They don't want to talk about inflation. They don't want to talk about the stuff that is going bad. They don't want to talk about the things that have gone wrong since, since Joe Biden took office. Every American is sitting around the kitchen table looking at the price of everything, wondering if they're going to make it to the end of the month, if they've got to cut something, if they've got to not, you know, not do some of the things they normally like to do. And it's not like big expenses or anything like that, but hey, what about the family date night at the restaurant down the street? What about you and the wife going to see a movie, you and the husband going to see a movie you want to see? Well, I don't know. Movie tickets are expensive. Popcorn and snacks is expensive. The restaurants are getting more expensive. The gas prices are way too expensive. Gas prices alone make it prohibitive. Everyone is worried about the price of groceries. Paid $22 for a pack of bacon. $21 for a bottle of Advil. Everything is getting more expensive. At the pump, at the grocery store. Everywhere. Every American is sitting down at the kitchen table and they are legitimately asking the question again, not that everybody's at the risk of going broke and going and going impoverished, but in order to have enough money to go from one to the next, one month to the next, do you have enough to be able to do the stuff you want to do and be able to pay the bills and everything because it's getting harder and harder? And the Democrats don't want to talk about that. The Democrats would rather talk about abortion. They would rather talk about those evil Republicans who won't ban guns. Nancy Pelosi announced that she's going to put an assault weapons ban bill on the House floor. This is how you know the Democrats aren't interested in solving the problem. They're going to play. They're, they're playing the blame game. It's Putin's fault for the gas prices. Okay. Oh, we just Janet Yellen is going to take the fall for inflation because she didn't see it coming. So that's somebody else they can blame. Janet Yellen didn't do her job. Putin's problem. Putin. It's Putin's price spike, price hike on gas. It's the Republicans who are letting our kids die in classrooms because they won't ban guns. There's a bipartisan group of senators working on some meaningful gun legislation. Don't know what it's going to be. I hope they take that idea that I shared with you guys on the air yesterday about what our own legislature is doing, about looking at juvenile offenders, juvenile violent crime offenders. But no, they're going to look at things like expanded background checks, like some sort of ban on something. They're not going to look at anything meaningful. But even then, whatever they agree on, the Democrats are going to say it doesn't go far enough. They want the social issue. They want it as an electoral, a campaign issue. There's a political strategy behind dropping an outright assault weapons, a very nebulous term, but an outright assault weapons ban legislation in the House and forcing people to go on the record about it. They want, they want the issue. They don't want the solution. They want the issue. They don't want a solution on abortion. 
They want to say we're taking away your right to an abortion. Nobody said that. Nobody wants to take your ability to have an abortion. What people who are who want to overturn Roe versus Wade are saying is that it's bad legal precedence, bad legal uh, justification. Make it a state issue. And if you cannot have an abortion in your state, you can go somewhere where you can. Now, it's stupid for states to pass laws and say, well, if you travel over state lines to have an abortion, we're going to charge you with murder, which is what some people on the right want to do. Nobody is saying you can't have an abortion. Everybody's just arguing, well, you act, there's no guaranteed right in the Constitution for it. But the Democrats want that to be the social issue that's on the ballot. And here's the thing. Abortion advocates are already motivated to go vote in November. Gun control advocates are already motivated to go vote in November. You're not doing anything by getting them out there. You're not affecting the vote in any way, but the Democrats literally have nothing else. They think if they can sway voters to really be concerned and care about abortion like they do, they can stave off some of the losses. They're not going to win in November. They can stave off some of the losses. They can stop the bleeding somewhere. But the abortion issue is already baked into who's going out to vote. Those who are super against abortion were already going to go out and vote Republican. Those who are super for abortion were already going to go out and vote Democrat. The people in the middle, they're not deciding who they're voting for based on the abortion issue, based on Roe versus Wade. The people who are for gun control were already going to go out and vote Democrat. And the people who are against gun control were already going to go out and vote Republican. The people in the middle, they're not making their decisions based on guns. The Democrats are refusing to understand this. The Democrats are refusing to say, we want to work to a solution. The Democrats just want the issue. They want it to campaign. They want it for campaigns. And if you are a Democrat and you're disagreeing with me, I'm sorry. But if Nancy Pelosi is dropping an outright assault weapons ban, that will not define what an assault weapon is in any meaningful way. You can be guaranteed on that subject. She's not looking to solve the problem. She's looking to score a political point, to have something that her, her allies in Congress can use in ads against their Republican opponents. Back when George H.W. Bush was in office. Read my lips, no new taxes. Then they raised taxes. The head of the RNC advised Republicans to run against George H.W. Bush. And a lot of Republicans did just that. They said, we've got to hold our guy accountable. He, George Bush lied. We're going to make sure to hold him to his promises. You know what happened? In 1990, in those midterms, Republicans were able to minimize their losses. They still lost at the polls, but they were able to minimize those losses. It was a winning strategy. 
Now, George H.W. Bush called for the head of the RNC to be fired and, and removed from his post, which is understandable given that you don't go against the figurehead of your party in respectable society. But it had to be done to stave off Democratic losses, uh, Republican losses. But the Republicans, I'm, I'm sorry, the Democrats aren't going to do that. They're going to circle the wagons even harder, and that's why they're not going to be able to mitigate their losses in November. 232-1542, when we come back from the break, what else is going on here in the state and nationwide? We'll talk about that and more. In the meantime, catch me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, or email me, Joe at RedState.com, if you want to be part of the conversation. We're going to take our bottom of the hour news break, and we'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you'd like to call in, be part of the conversation. So the Democrats don't want to talk about inflation. They don't want to talk about the price hikes or anything other than to blame it on other people. One of the issues, obviously, one of the economic issues is energy prices, gas prices in particular. Uh, You have here in Louisiana, we have... Uh, an average of $4.28 per gallon. And that is, oh, that is actually the record now, Louisiana. Way way to go. We've done it yet again. Uh, But the highest price in Louisiana is $4.64 a gallon. It's not looking very good. And it seems to only be getting worse as time goes on. Interestingly, and I, we had this story that, that kind of came out today. And it, to me, it's fascinating because there's a lot more than just the oil and energy crisis going on here. Joe Biden is taking a trip to Saudi Arabia. OPEC of which Saudi Arabia is a member, is bowing to pressure and producing more oil to put into the global market. This is why this is interesting. There's a lot of things that come into play here. I want to try to kind of walk slowly through it because there's there's several threads that go into this. And it all goes back to American leadership. In 2019... Joe Biden condemned Saudi Arabia and the Saudi prince for the assassination of uh, Jamal Khashoggi, who was a a journalist, wrote for the Washington Post, and is believed to have been assassinated by uh, the Saudi crown prince. And Joe Biden and the Democrats have been very vocal about uh, this particular assassination. And Biden, as a result from multiple reports that we've gotten since then, when he became president, he, he essentially stopped taking calls from the Saudi prince. The Saudis want to be on a, good, on, on a good relationship, a good friendship with the United States. The United States is, of course, a, a good customer to OPEC. But Biden wanted nothing to do with Saudi Arabia. As a result, the Saudis started talking to the Chinese and to the Russians. The exact people we don't want the Saudis talking to. Well, fast forward to now. 
over the last few months, the Biden administration has really been begging and pleading for OPEC to release more oil into the global market because gas prices, oil prices are getting so high. Joe Biden, who was not taking the Saudis' calls, turned around and started calling the Saudi crown prince and and Saudi Arabia, and they were ignoring his calls. Well, now the global crisis has gotten to the point where it's not just the U.S. asking for OPEC to release this oil, to produce more oil for the global market. It's everybody. And so the Saudis and OPEC are going along with it, and the Saudis will hold a visit with Joe Biden. I cannot imagine that it will be a very pleasant visit because the two sides pretty much hate each other right now. And it's unfortunate. Gas prices don't need to be as high as they are right now because Joe Biden could have been a leader and could have actually had conversations with Saudi Arabia, with the Saudi crown prince, could have expressed his displeasure with the assassination of that journalist, but the relationship could have moved on. There could have been something there. But at the same time, the the Saudis are, are looking to Russia and elsewhere to do not just oil and gas business, but other stuff. So America has to rebuild this relationship. It's a relationship we didn't need to rebuild, It's a relationship we never should have really lost in the first place. But we are where we are because the Democrats were not thinking ahead in any meaningful sense. They weren't thinking about a bigger picture. They were essentially being petty on this. And I I know being it's weird to say being petty about an assassination, but there are things that you can do behind closed doors. There are things that you can do as far as sanctioning things like that. You don't just freeze out a potential ally in the Middle East. The Saudis are a great potential ally for the U.S. They hate Iran. The Saudis hate Iran. Iran is a destabilizing force in the Middle East. Most Middle Eastern countries know this. They would love, at this point, to stick it to Iran. But we ignore that because the Biden administration, the Democrats, want to be Iran's friend. And so they've ignored the potential to gain allies in the Middle East to help bring some stabilization to the Middle East because of this, assassin, this assassination of a Washington Post journalist. Well, not a Washington Post journalist, somebody who has written for the Washington Post. Gas prices didn't need to be this high. A friendlier relationship with Saudi Arabia and a friendlier relationship with OPEC could have allowed more oil to be released into the global market. They want to sell us their oil and gas. But because the United States chose to free some of their members out, they were hesitant. They didn't really feel like getting involved. So here we are in an energy crisis. And now Biden is having to go over there essentially on bended knee to say, hey, sorry, we froze you out. Can we be friends again? And can you release more oil? That's a big foreign policy problem. 232-1542. Before we go to the break, we've got a caller on the line. Renee, Renee, how are you today? Yeah, I, I, I like to watch the History Channel, and uh, there's somebody in history I detest, but I think he would fit in just good if he could possibly function in this woke new world. 
where the hell are the John D. Rockefellers of this world of big all to take on Big Green and stick it to Big Green like where it deserves to be? Gangster style or whatever the hell. That's an interesting question. Where are the John D. Rock? Where are the Rockefellers? Where are the Carnegies? Where are the people? Yeah, where who, are they? Where Where are the, the, the green? That's a good point. That's a really good point, Renee. Where are these, let's say it, ruthless businessmen who were able to create these massive industrial empires who were able to propel the United States forward in many ways? And yes, there were some problematic issues, but they still did a lot to advance American economy, American uh, American culture, and American prosperity. Where are those guys now? Well, they're the people who are directing their social media advisors to put rainbow logos in their Twitter profiles to celebrate Pride Month, Renee. That's where they are. They're gone, and the people who have replaced them are the people who are deciding, we need our companies to support Pride Month. The Pinkerton, the Pinkerton Detective Agency, the remnants, the, the Pinkerton Agency now, known ally of the left, I'm joking, switched their profile picture on their social media to a rainbow logo. The Pinkertons, who the left despises for their union-busting efforts, are out there celebrating Pride Month. It is absurd. We don't have the Rockefellers or the Carnegies or anybody like that anymore because everybody's got to be super woke. Now, those people are gone, and you're right. I wish they would come back. Renee, thank you very much for the call. Let's go ahead and take our break. When we come back, talk a little bit about what's going on with the Louisiana legislature. That and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Just seeing this come across, this was uh, breaking news from Axios about 30 minutes ago. Uh, the Buffalo shooting suspect. Remember the Buffalo uh, shooting at the grocery store a few, uh, several weeks ago. Uh, the Buffalo shooting suspect pleads not guilty to 25 new criminal charges. That will be an interesting defense, to say the least. Uh, this is a guy who broadcast his crime uh, live to viewers, uh, a horrible racially motivated attack. The only defense that I can see that they would try, I mean, obviously the insanity defense, but my, my client was... Uh, radicalized by internet extremists and became one of them. They took advantage of his vulnerable mental state. Uh, if that's the possibly the only defense I can think of they would try to use, given the facts of the case as we know them now. But again, I'm not a lawyer, so who knows? Uh, but there, again, Buffalo shooting suspect pleads not guilty to 25 new criminal charges. We also know that he was charged with domestic terrorism among uh, some of those charges. So that will be uh, an interesting case to watch going forward. I told you guys this was the case. Now it's official. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards endorses Democrat Luke Mixon in this year's Senate race. Mixon is the white Democratic candidate running against John Kennedy. The other one, as we've talked about several times before, is Gary Chambers, Chambers is looking to, um, I, in my opinion, Chambers is looking to build a statewide uh, platform to be able to run for governor next year. Just running against Kennedy this year gives him the opportunity to build that statewide network. But Mixon has raised, I don't know, like $40,000. It has not raised a whole lot of money in this particular race, but wants to unseat 
uh, John Kennedy. Uh, here is his here is John Bill Edwards statement in his endorsement. Luke Mixon has dedicated his life to serving our country. And with so much going on in the world, we need someone with his experiences in the U.S. Senate. Washington is more broken than ever. And Congress has become paralyzed by partisanship. I've governed by always putting Louisiana first, whether it's funding to recover from devastating natural disasters or to repair our crumbling infrastructure. Luke Mixon will work with both parties to make sure Louisiana's needs are met in Washington. I'm proud to support his campaign because I know that in these serious times, people with Luke's background know how to get the job done. This is... This isn't going to go anywhere. Luke Mixon is raising no money. He's got no real support. Mixon is being pushed by a lot of the same people who pushed Edwards to run. And... Here's here's the issue. It's the white Democratic establishment in Louisiana. They want to keep a hold of the Democratic Party, so they want to push their person, and they're terrified of somebody like Gary Chambers taking hold of the Democratic Party in Louisiana, pushing it further left, but also actually catering far more to the black community than those white Democrats are actually wanting to. White Democrats in Louisiana love to talk about how much they want to do for the black community to get the black community's votes. And then they rarely do anything to actually help the black community. Gary Chambers wants to upset that particular apple cart and actually do something. And the white Democrats are terrified because that takes away from their ability to hold on to their particular fiefdoms in the state. They don't want that to happen. So they want to endorse somebody like Luke Mixon who has no chance at all and push him in a bid for Senate. Because again, like Gary Chambers, if Mixon can build a statewide platform and get some name recognition, then next year's next year there's a possible uh there's a possible successor to John Bell Edwards. This is all looking at the governor's race, y'all. This isn't actually about beating John Kennedy. Everybody knows you're not going to beat John Kennedy. He's the most popular politician in the state. So popular that if he were to jump into next year's governor's race, you would see Jeff Landry and the other Republicans back out. They know they can't beat him. John Kennedy is the most popular Republican in the state. You're not going to beat him in the U.S. Senate race. The only way you get his seat is if he steps down. So the Democrats are looking for possible successors to John Bell Edwards. So they're running people against Kennedy this year to build that statewide network. That's all this is. This isn't about actually winning a Senate seat against John Kennedy. 232-1542, if you want to call in and be part of the conversation, we have another caller on the line. Warren, Warren, how are you today? Hey, man, how's it going? I'm making it. You know those two guys you're talking about, John Bell and Mixon? Yeah. You know, I know somebody that's related to them, and he, he said he's, he's a goat. They're both goats. They try to act like some sheep, but that's a couple of goats. Who's that? Oh, oh John Bell and his partner, Mixon. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, but I want to say something. You know, I'm not anti-police, you know, but John Bell and this thing, um, it's a sad thing, and I don't think those policemen meant to beat that man to death. I think they just meant to beat him within an inch of his life so when he went to jail he would tell the rest of the brothers, don't run from the state police because they will beat you half to death. Yeah, I mean, did this... It- and and going back to reference, and for those who missed the opening of the show, John Bell Edwards is going to be uh, 
he's going to be testifying before the House committee that is probing the, the Ronald Green death. And yeah, this is, I think, a, a very, a very big turning point here in the last year or so of John Bell Edwards uh, tenure as governor, where he's got to go and he's got to explain or deflect questions on what he knew and when he knew it about the death of Ronald Green. Because, again, there's a lot of questions about that based on the, the public information that's come out. And again, the, the case stems from the beating of a black man at the hands of state police who then covered it up and said, well, he died in the car crash of, uh, that was the result of the police chase. When the body cam footage came out, it showed he survived that crash and they brutally beat him to the point where they when they called, they finally called um, EMTs out and he was declared uh, he was taken to the hospital, but was declared dead almost immediately. He was beaten to death by state police. And John Bell Edwards was aware of the death at uh, in, in police custody. He was aware via text message from the head of Louisiana State Police. And now more information is coming out saying he saw the body cam footage before anybody else. So we know that he is aware of what was going on. And so he's got to answer these questions. And again, going back to the beginning of the show, what I was saying is it's not just a matter of he needs to answer the questions. It's how he's going to deflect the questions. He's got two lawyers who will be coming to this hearing with him, meaning they're going to make sure they're going to make absolutely sure that he doesn't say anything incriminating. And they're going to keep him on a very short leash because they don't want their client to accidentally reveal something or make or make a, a misstatement and that becomes the focal point of the hearing and completely throws them off the script they want the committee to be on and that is the the that's what makes this even more tragic is that this is a death that didn't need to happen now it's become a hugely politicized event and apparently the corruption the cover up has gone all the way to the top even to the governor's office and that makes this a thousand times worse. And I hope that there is justice for Ronald Green and his family because we do need the answers to this. This isn't just some partisan witch hunt against John Bell Edwards. This is an actual search for the truth. I hope we get it. And that'll do it for today, y'all. 23 hours, we will be back again. Hey, it's almost the weekend. If you want to catch anything that we've talked about today, you can check out kpel965.com. Catch some of the stories there. Also, find me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, or email me, Joe at RedState.com. Check out the podcast version of the show on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and tune in tomorrow right here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPEL.